Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Day 22. We are in day 22. If you're brand new to our church, we've been on a journey the last three weeks of 21 days of prayer and fasting, getting closer to God. We've been meeting every morning from 7 to 8 here in this Fern Park campus, and we've also been meeting uh, every Saturday from 9 to 10. And I told my church, I told our church uh, yesterday in our last gathering, uh, this is the end. Or we could say, this is the beginning. I believe this pray first vision that we've cast for our church is truly a pivot point for our church to begin to make Jesus the, not just the center of our lives, but the foundation on which we build all things. Prayer changes things, y'all. I spoke to a, a woman at the end of the, our prayer service yesterday who was like, Pastor JJ, you don't understand. I've been in church my whole life. To this year, I decided to make prayer a focus. Pastor JJ, God's speaking to me. I heard him speak to me. He was saying, she was talking about her past and about how he spoke things into her past and healed. And it's crazy how God can do in one word, he can undo five years of pain and damage and hurts. It's amazing. Guys, prayers will change your life. And so the good news is, even though 21 days of prayer and fasting is over, praying is not over. Every Saturday from now on at Journey Church, we have a prayer service from 9 to 10 a.m. Regular prayer service. I love our our creative team when they created the slide. I did not ask for them to put that in, but they put prayer services, regular Saturday prayer services, all 2023 and beyond until Jesus returns. (laughs) I didn't ask them to do that, but I'm like, I'm glad we're on the same page. I said that so much in our meetings. We're going to do this until Jesus returns, until Jesus returns. They just put it in the slide. And so uh, I just, it's just a shift, y'all. It's just a shift. Prayer is going to be the thing we build life on. And uh, that's what we're talking about today. That's what we're going to be talking about all year. I don't, it's not a popular topic. I don't anticipate this to be the year we grow the most. Although that has not been the case so far in the last uh, four weeks of this year. But I did say this was going to be the year your relationship with God grows the most. And so I don't mind coming back to this. I'll pray first. And for those who have been coming for a while now, you know what we've been talking about when we say pray first is to have the kind of prayer life that engages God, that prays proactively, not just reactively. All of our lives, we come to God when things are going bad. Even atheists pray when the plane hits turbulence. Oh my God, that's right there. That's their prayer right there. Dear Jesus, that's right there. Even We all instinctually have to seek a higher power when things within our power are not able to solve our problem. But it's another dimension of faith when you come to God when you don't have to. When the issues of life are not what's drawing you to God, but the promises of God are what's drawing you to God. The person of God are what's drawing you to God. The love of God, the intimacy with God is what's drawing you to God. God's destiny over your life. And I want you so much to have that kind of a prayer life. And for all of our first time guests that maybe you don't even believe in God, maybe you were invited by a coworker or a friend, you're still trying to figure out this God thing. You might sound like this is 201, 301, 401 level type courses. But here's what I know about you. If you came to church and you're still uncertain about God, you came to hear someone tell you about God. But I got a better proposition. When you learn to pray or even when you try prayer, you don't have to hear about God from someone else. You hear from God. 
directly. You can connect to the Lord and he can tell you himself about his love for you and his plans for you and his hopes for you. And so I want to encourage the entire church, guests and, and church members alike, to make prayer a focus in 2023. This is an invitation. And that is why I am bringing back the table for part two of this message that we started last week. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you were either at East or watching online. All of our technology went down. There is no video evidence of last Sunday's sermon. It's only a podcast. So if you want to hear it, you can go to our iTunes, you can go to podcast, and you can uh, download last week's sermon. But for everybody who missed it, I'm sorry. It was really good, okay? But I will just summarize what I spoke about. I talked about how the table is really a picture of our relationship with God. Better said, uh, the table is a picture of prayer. Now, this is not just because I'm a foodie, but this is the reality. Whenever we sit at a table, there are two things that the table provides in our life. The first thing the table provides is resources. Mm -hmm. Yum, 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 okay? Grapes, pears, bread, turkey. That's an inflatable turkey. It's awesome. Donuts, croissants, apples, grapes. It's at the table is where we get resources. So what I said last week was when we pray, we come to the table because I'm on a mission this year to simplify prayer. I think the reason why we struggle is because we overcomplicate it. And what I tried to say is prayer is just coming to the table with God. Then when you come to the table with God, he provides the resources that you need to live. He provides provision. He provides the, the home. He provides the care. He provides the security. He provides the courage. He provides the bravery. He provides the love. He provides the wherewithal, the wisdom, the focus. Everything you need, okay, is found at the table. But the other thing about the table that is beautiful is that it not only provides resource, it also provides relationship. Whenever we get to know somebody or whenever we desire to have relationship, have you noticed that that normally happens at the table? All right. When you go on a date, where does that date happen? At a table. When you have a family dinner and the family's coming to share its day, where does that happen? At the table. If you're going to go for a job interview, nowadays a lot of job interviews will happen at the table. When you celebrate your birthday, it'll happen at the table. Biblically, in the Old Testament, all of their holidays were celebrated at the table. Thanksgiving for our families are celebrated at the table. Valentine's Day, when you go out for the romantic dinner, is at the table. The table is not just a picture of resources, it's also a picture of a relationship and when we pray here was the big summary of last week's sermon through relationship with God he meets all of our resources prayer is where we sit God gives us everything we need but really all we really needed was him and through him everything we can ever want is provided and so I wanted to keep the metaphor going today and I wanted to speak about it within the context of Meal times, meal times. In America, we have three meal times. I say America because not every country is like America. We have breakfast, we have lunch, and we have dinner. And then some of us have dinner, dinner, and <laughs> bedtime snack, and <laughs> middle of the night snack. But for the most part, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I say, I say not every country, because like when my wife and I went to Venice, they did not have breakfast, like at least as we know it. You wake up in the morning and they had croissants and coffee, that's it. I was like, where's my eggs and my bacon? They were like, that's America. I was like, boo. <laughs> You, I mean, we must have went to five different shops, right? Asking, does anybody, can I get an egg sandwich? Does anybody have an egg sandwich? No, sir. Cheese. We have cheese. We have bread. But we will not put it together for you. <laughs> that's, that's not what we do here. 
in, uh, in Italy. Okay. Sorry if I offended any Italians. <laughs> uh, but uh, I want to talk about, about mealtimes. What if God had mealtimes? If God had a mealtime, what do I mean by that? Are there moments in our lives when God sets the table? Are there moments in our life when God calls us to community? Are there moments in our life when God wants to speak to us? Do we know what those moments are and are we ready for them? My wife and I, uh, Liz and I, we have very different, um, we have very similar parenting philosophies in a lot of things, but we have very different parenting philosophies when it comes to meals. I don't know what kind of home she grew up in when it came to meals, but in our home, sometimes she would make something and the, the kids, one of the kids in particular who's very picky with his food, his name's Zane, I asked him permission to share this story. I have to do that now. They're at the age where I have to ask permission to include them in my illustrations because you won't stop bothering them when you see them in the lobby. And so they're like, Dad, now I have to pay them $5 every time I tell a story about them. True stories. You would think that living in my house is payment enough, but no. So very picky. So, uh, and, and here's how amazing mom Liz is. She's so just compassionate that Zane will sometimes, she'll make breakfast, Zane won't want what she made, and my wife will actually make something else just for him, which did not happen in my house <laughs> when I grew up. In my house, I don't know what kind of house you grew up in, but if you did not like what your mom ate or your grandma ate, here was the options. Don't eat. <laughs> Nobody coming in with, with option B. There wasn't a vegan menu. There wasn't a gluten-free menu. You was eating what mom's made or you did not eat. No, not in my house. She would make something separate for them. And, and he, or, or he just won't eat because he don't like what she made, which is a whole preach in itself. What happens when God makes you something you don't want? How do you do, how do you deal with that? Yeah. But most recently, the one that happened most recently is she's also very flexible on mealtimes. Like dinner time is dinner time and that's when you eat dinner time. But they would skip their dinner time to play video game time. And we would try and tell them it's dinner time. I'll eat later, I'll eat later, I'll eat later. And now it's bedtime. It's time to go to bed and they're all hungry. Looking at us talking about, I wanna eat. And I'll say, well, you had a chance to eat. It was dinner time. And then they'll complain and then Liz will come up to me and be like, they should let, the, let them eat. They should eat. If they're hungry, we can't send them to bed hungry, babe. That's not right. We got to let them eat. And I'm like, but if we let them eat, then it's going to push back their bedtime. If we push back their bedtime, they push back our bedtime. And ain't nobody pushing back my bedtime. Go regulate this here. But it's been years, and it's always been until finally, until finally, about a week ago, Zane says, it's bedtime. He's like, we're about to put him in bed. He's like, I'm hungry. And my, and my wife comes down to me. She goes, I don't know what to do with him. I don't know what to do with him. He's always waiting until the last minute. I said, I know. <laughs> put me in, coach. Put me in. Put me in. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And she released me. She said, go. I said, yeah. I walked up to him. I said, go to sleep. <laughs> Dad, I'm hungry. You're not eating. Go to sleep. 
I'm hungry. And he started telling me, he said, you want to kill me? You want me to die? That's a bad time to be the son of a pastor. Because I was like, boy, Jesus fasted 40 days at 40 nights. You can make it eight hours, son. See you in the morning. <laughs> but no way, that's it. I don't play. You missed it. And don't cry and complain because you missed what was served. Because you missed what was paid for. Because you missed what we were prepared. So many of us complain to God, but really we're complaining about him not providing something he already prepared. That we didn't show up for. Because we were so distracted by other things. I had a conversation with him because I tried to explain things. So there was a moment in between going to bed. And the moment was when I looked at him and I said, you know what the issue is right now? The issue is your priority is play. So you play over eat. I told him, but son, as you mature and grow, your priorities are going to have to shift from play to being your first priority because you're a child now. I get that. But when you become adult, play cannot be the number one priority. Living needs to be the highest priority. And I'm trying to tell you, Journey Church, sometimes we get distracted because we're playing with our toys. And there's nothing wrong with the luxuries of life. There's nothing wrong with television shows. And there's nothing wrong with Netflix. And there's nothing wrong with the vacations. And there's nothing wrong with the cars. Hey, God blessed us. Amen. Let's receive his blessings. But if those things keep us from spending time with him, if those things keep us from making the priority that he's in our life, I'm just trying to tell you, you can't live on toys. You can't live on fire trucks. You can't live on Xbox and, and, and Nintendo Switch and unless Jesus is the priority. You will suffer. You will hunger wow, so for something that cannot fill your soul. And so my hope message today is based on the reality that I believe God has prepared some things for you that I don't want you to miss. Because wow, there are some moments in life, and I, I know we don't want to hear this because we believe in a God who, who, who gives unlimited grace and unlimited mercy, and all of that is true. But here is a reality that there are some moments in life that only come once. That's just true. And if we miss the moment, we missed it. And so I want to give you three moments in your life, specifically in your day and in your life, that God is trying to speak to you, communicate to you, minister to you. And the very first one, by the way, the title of the message is... It's time to eat. Don't miss the meal. The food has been prepared. Journey Church, it's time to eat. If you're watching online, it's time to eat. If you're at East, it's time to eat. God has prepared something for you. And I want you to take the, make the most of this. Don't go to bed crying hungry. Make the most of this message. Make the most of what this moment is right here. It's time to eat. Number one, if you're taking notes, and we should, we should lean in and, and, and try and apply this to our lives when we leave here. It's time to eat. In the morning, yes, morning breakfast. I love me some morning breakfast. You got the waffles, a very American breakfast. You got the waffles, you got the croissant and the egg. That's Italy meets America, the egg and the croissant. Why couldn't they do that for me? I don't understand. And then, and then the eggs. Eggs is a big part of breakfast. I love breakfast. Breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. Are there breakfast people? Where are my breakfast people at? Breakfast is your favorite meal. Amen. All right, I want you to think about your favorite breakfast restaurant. And on three, whether you're at East, online, or in Fern Park, I want you to shout out your favorite breakfast restaurant on three. And I'm gonna be able to tell so much by your answer. I'm gonna know so much about you. I'm gonna know what year you were born. I'm gonna know what kind of music you listen to. All right, on three, if you got it, I want you to shout out your favorite breakfast restaurant. Put it in the chat if you're online. Shout it out at East 
One, two, three. <laughs> tell me what year you were born without telling me what year you were born. <laughs> yeah, you was born in the 80s. I heard you. You said McDonald's. That's a shame. That's a shame. I'm born in the, in the 60s. I heard you. You said Cracker Barrel. I heard you. And uh, that's cool. That's cool. We all have different breakfast spots. I love me some breakfast. You know, when I thought about putting together this message, I thought this was going to be the first hurdle that I would hit. I really felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, hey, I want you to do um, some biblical study, like a deep dive into mealtimes in the Bible, because I have some correlations between mealtimes in the Bible and devotional times with you and me. How many people know that life is a message? Life is a sermon. Life is a metaphor. People always ask me how I can make sermons out of bottles or, or breakfast. Or, it's just I'm listening. God speaks in all things, throughout nature, throughout life, throughout movies. Everything lives to glorify God in some way, shape, or form. And you can see it if you're listening. And so I thought I would hit the first hurdle here because in biblical times, one thing that I knew in my studies was that they didn't have breakfast. Breakfast is a very American concept because only in America do we have the amount of food that can support that kind of a lifestyle. In most countries, you don't know when your next meal is coming from, so breakfast is a foreign concept. In the biblical times, you had to go hunt for your food. You had to go bake your bread. By the time you did all that, it was 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. You don't just wake up, pour cereal. They didn't have these uh, amenities and luxuries that we have today. So you gotta imagine how surprised I was when a few weeks ago, as I'm studying for this, I find breakfast in the Bible. John chapter 21, verse one. Later, Jesus appeared again to those disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Pause here. The reason why it's setting it up is because, and it says later, is because this is actually post-crucifixion, post-resurrection. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of humanity, comes back to life, is buried, comes back to life three days later. We'll celebrate that on Easter Sunday, whenever that comes. And then he walked the earth for 40 days, resurrected, just popping up on people. Just people walking, just tapping people on the shoulder. They were like, Jesus. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> That's where that came from, by the way. Every time you hear Jesus, that was the whole 40 days thing. That's how that started. <laughs> oh my God, exactly. That <laughs> Jesus. Just popping up. And this is one of those times when he just popped up, unexpected. The disciples were fishing. This is how it happened. Verse two through three. Several of the disciples were there when it happened. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, don't miss it, but they caught nothing all night. Verse four through six, and at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. So he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? Nope, they replied. Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. <laughs> I love Jesus, he said, go get some. <laughs> Verse six, so they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Wow. Then verse seven, then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. If you're wondering why that was the revealing moment, it's because something very similar had happened a couple of chapters before. And so this was almost like Jesus' calling card. I only know one person who can say it and it happens. And that's Jesus. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work. I'm going to explain the strip for work in a second. This is not some weird fisherman 
fetish type thing. I'll explain exactly what happens and why this is important to the story. He was naked. He was fishing naked. And it's only weird until you hear what I'm going to tell you later. Actually, it's weird no matter what. It's weird to fish naked. I'm sorry, Bible. Uh, We wouldn't do that today. Jumped into the water and headed to shore. Verse 8. And the others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to shore. For they were only about 100 yards from shore. I don't know why I laugh when I hear that story. I'm like, Peter jumped in the boat and left the others with the work. That's like the person who's like listening to worship music while the rest of us are trying to clean. And they're like, can you put the AirPods down and grab a broom? We're having work here. I know Jesus is important, but cleanness. That's Peter, just worshiping God, always running. Verse 8, the others stayed with the boat, pulled the load net in. They were only about 100 yards from shore. Look at verse 9. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Love verse 12. Now come and have some breakfast. I believe that if there is one meal time you cannot miss with God, it is your daily morning prayer time. Your breakfast, so to speak. And if you don't already, or if you find it hard, I'm going to try to convince you in the next seven minutes or so to make this the thing that you do every day you wake up. Whether it's five minutes, three minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, you decide the time. But I believe it is so important to pray in the morning. Why? Because when we pray in the morning, we invite Jesus to partner and to provide. When we pray in the morning, put it on the screen, we, in, we invite Jesus to partner and to provide throughout the rest of the day. Notice, I want to talk about partnership first. Notice that the men were not just working, but they were working hard. Now we're going to go back to the whole fishing naked thing. The reason why he was doing that is because they wore long tunics, long clothes. And if you were to do heavy labor in that, you would get really hot. The reason why he had taken it off was because not just they were working, they were working hard. They were sweating. It was getting in the way of the nest. So they had to strip down to bare bones so that they could be, so they could function. So I'm just trying to lay out a background that these men were working. Why is it important to establish that they were working and working hard? Because even though they were working, it was not working. Let me know if you can relate to this next statement. One of the most discouraging times of life is when you're working, but it's not working. Tell me, have you been there? Where you are sweating, but it's not producing. Where you are hustling, but it's not happening. You own a business, you're emailing, you're meeting, you're investing, you're boosting posts, you're developing leaders, but your business isn't growing. You go to school, you're studying, you're doing after school classes, You're reading, you're tutoring, but you're not passing, you're not learning. You show up early, you focus on the details, you stay late, but your supervisors aren't noticing. Everybody's getting promoted over you. You write the song, you refine the vocals, you learn the instruments, you pay to get it mastered professionally, but no one is downloading. Now, I want to pause that right there because uh, Journey Music just released their whole album EP today. Three songs you can download it anywhere. And unlike my point right here, I know y'all will be downloading. And I know y'all will be sharing. If it ministers to you, it mean a lot um, to share. I'll talk to my fashion designers in the house today. You draw the design. You research the market. You brand the t-shirt. You, you, you get the investors to, to get in. You sold the clothes. But no one is buying. And it would be one thing if I was lazy. 
It would be one thing if I wasn't coming to church every Sunday. It'd be one thing if I didn't take the leadership courses. It'd be one thing if I didn't go to the Tony Roberts, you know, Robbins thing. It'd be one thing if I didn't read the book, but I did all of that. I'm working and it's not working. What do you do when you're working, but it's not working? Well, what did the disciples do? What did the disciples do? Let's see. John 21 verse 3. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Somebody say, this side of the, of the church say, it's not working. It's not working. Cool. Now let's go to verse 6. Y'all will be verse 6. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Say, it's working. All right, now we're going to do it this side again, and this time Journey East. I don't know what side this is, but you're on that side, all right? If I'm pointing to this side of the room right now, if you're online, you've got to do both, okay? And so verse, verse 3, go back to verse 3. So they went out of the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Say, it's not working. It's not working. Verse 6, so they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Somebody say, it's working. It's, working. it's, not, working. it's not working. It's working. Now let's find out what happened in between. It's not working and it's working. Verses four through six. So Jesus called out and they replied. What happened in between? It's not working and it's working. Let me summarize. A conversation with Jesus. A conversation with Jesus turned it's not working into it's working because in the same way Jesus was a better fisherman than them he's a better businessman than you he's a better student than you he's a better recording artist than you he's a better graphic designer than you he's a better parent than you he's a better father than you a better mother than you a better friend than you a better entrepreneur than you and when you pray in the morning you invite the one who is the best at it to get his hands on it so that he can help you do what you're trying to do and let me encourage you with this what takes you one year what takes you one decade what takes you one life Jesus with one word can do more in one word than you can in a whole life when he says let there be light the universe comes into an existence in one word your business profits can triple in one word cancer can go in one word in one word you know what that is called that's called anointing it's a very biblical concept, but it's also very simple. Anointing means the part that you can't do. Anointing is God's touch on the thing that you're doing. If you cut lawns for a living, ask for God's anointing. Yes. If you sell cars for a living, ask for God's anointing. If you write books for a living, ask for God's anointing. If you build houses for a living, ask for God's anointing. What is God's anointing? God's anointing is similar to this. One of my favorite breakfast items. It's scrambled eggs. I love scrambled eggs. Here's why. You can't mess it up. <laughs> it's probably the first thing I learned how to make. Grab a little fork, put a little adobo in that thing, you know? And then, then you, and then, but listen, this is me scrambling the eggs. Yeah. Oh, man. This don't look like mom's eggs. Oh, man. I can't eat this. Oh, man. This is not working. I'm working. Burn a lot of calories. I'm working, but it's not working. Why is it not working? I'm scrambling. I put in the adobo. I, I, I got the. Why is this not working? Somebody say. 
No what, David? No he. The anointing is symbolized by a lot of things in the Bible. Dove, oil, wind, water. You know another one is? Heat, fire. Anointing is this. You scrambling and then going, okay, God. That was my sound effect for turning on the stove. (laughs) Ready? Here's anointing. Now you do what I can't do. I did my part. I scrambled. I worked hard. Now anoint my business. Anoint my work. So many Christians are out here talking about Jesus, will you? Lord, will you? God, I need you. And you're just scrambling. Scrambling to work. Scrambling to your kids. Scrambling to the soccer game. Scrambling to the office. Scrambling to therapy. And God is saying, listen, you just need to put that down. Put that on me. Let me do what you cannot do. I'll bring the heat. I'll bring the fire. I'm the one that transforms. You're scrambling into something that's actually worth and not only, listen, and not only does he partner with us, I love the fact that he provides for us. We pray in the morning because he provides for us in the morning. John 21, 9, and when they got there, they found breakfast. What? So come on, everybody say it out loud. They found breakfast. They found breakfast waiting for them, which means to tell me that even if they had not caught anything, that even if their nets had come up dry, When they got back because of a conversation with Jesus, there would have still been fish waiting. I love it because the fishing part of the story signifies to us that God will help us make it happen. But the fish waiting part of the story signifies to us that whatever happens, when we get home, there will be fish waiting. Come on, Jesus. Let me translate this to you. I love my job, but sometimes I don't have the strength for my job. Let me translate this to you. I love my school, but sometimes I don't have the focus to study. I, I, love, I love my business, but sometimes I don't have the wisdom to lead. And what God says is when you don't have the strength to navigate that issue, when you don't have the wisdom to lead that group, when you don't have the focus to make it through that test, I just want you to know, in those moments, just when you get home, your nets might be empty when you come from work, but I promise when you get here, fish will be waiting. Oh, come on. If the economy goes up or if the economy goes down, fish will be waiting. If you make your sales quota, if you don't make yourselves caught up, fish will be waiting. If she thinks you're cute or if she thinks you're ugly, come on home. Fish will be waiting. I'm trying to tell you, if you get the house, if you don't get the house, come back. Fish will be waiting. I'm so grateful that I got a God that whether I had it that day or whether I don't, whether I preach good today or not is no longer irrelevant to me because I know it's not even me. And I know that when I go home, I'll hear tests. It's crazy. The messages that I feel like I've found the most are the ones I get the most testimonies about. People are like, Pastor, that one that you did, I'm like, that one, I was kind of hoping, why didn't the technology go down on that day? And God is just reminding me, like, don't confuse fishing with the fish. It's not the net that brings the fish. It's not your job that brings the fish. I'm the one that brings the fish. I'm the one. I stood in that point a little longer than I needed to. I got two other bowls up here and I got six minutes to preach. Let's go. Let's go. Not just in the morning. It's time to eat in the middle of the day. Talking about lunch. Do you know why lunch is often sandwiches? You know why? Think about it. What's going on in the middle of the day? Work. 
busy running. So, so the food was built around that time to be portable, to eat on the go. Got to run on the go. It's McDonald's, right? Lunchtime is the busiest. Chick-fil-A, lunchtime is the busiest. Everybody needs their food to be able to go because we're too busy to stop. We're too busy to enjoy. We're too busy to sit down. And I kind of preached this last week, but I want to take it to another level. Because what if God wants to speak to you in the middle of your workday? What if God wants to catch you in the middle of your sale, in the middle of your deal? Here's what the Bible says. Here's a lunchtime in the Bible, Genesis 18.1. One day Abram was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of his day. He's sitting at the entrance of his tent because it's hot in the tent. Hottest part of the day is noon to 2 p.m. So you got to put the pieces together. He had just finished working the morning shift. He's about to go back to work and he doesn't want to talk to nobody. He doesn't want to do anything. He's sitting at the entrance so that the breeze that comes through the entrance can cool his hop. He doesn't have AC. This is man-made AC. He's trying to create a wind tunnel so that he can be cool. He's exhausted, he's tired, he's busy. And in the middle of his day, verse two through five, he looked up and noticed three men standing nearby, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When he saw them, he ran to meet them, welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said. Do as you have said. Oh, I love it. Because he was exhausted. He was tired. He had work to do. But he recognized God and made space for God. Here is the takeaway. Here is the takeaway. God will often present himself in your life at an unexpected time in an unexpected way. And when he shows up, will you be able to recognize him? And will you be willing to make time for him? Because in this story, he showed up as three men. But in the story of your life, he might show up as a co-worker that looks sad at work. You're busy, middle of your day, you're typing, you look over and you can see that her head is low, her hands are not on her laptop, you can tell she's in thought. And in that moment, you know it, you know it, you know it, God just showed up. And what are you gonna do? Back to work? Or are you gonna make time to minister to someone in need? could be a commuter on the bus it could be that person that you do crossfit with when god shows up in the middle of the day will you make time you need to because those moments those moments can change not just your life but they can change the life of someone else you know this church started because of a moment like that i know i've shared this story a thousand times but our church keeps growing people keep coming for the first time this church was started because pastor liz at a gas station somebody came up to her his name was john and john came up to her and said hey um do you think you can have some money for my car i need to put some gas in it and my wife she's a softy softy she does not carry cash for that reason she gives it all away to everybody that she meets please don't ask my wife for cash she'll give it to you i'll be broke this is how she is and so she saw the gentleman, and the gentleman said yes. Uh, she said yes to the gentleman. She went over to the car and they proceeded to put gas in the car. She's looking at the back seat. She notices a woman and a baby, blankets and pillows and food. She looks at the man and she knows this is, a, this is a God moment. This is lunch right now. God has showed up. I recognize it. Now, will I make time for it? She's got places to go, things to do, people to see. She's still in ministry, she's busy. She decides to jump in. Are you okay? Is everything all right with your family? John begins, proceeds to tell his story. He says, I actually just got released from jail today. And uh, my girlfriend picked me up. That's our baby. We got no place to live. All we got is this car, those pillows, and those blankets. So we appreciate you filling gas because we're going to go off to some job interviews now. 
She goes, wow, that's terrible. She begins to tell him about the church that we were working at at the time as youth pastors. Invites him for prayer. They pray right there at the gas station. I don't know what gas station it was. I was mobile, Exxon, Wawa, BP, 7-Eleven. We'll say them all. More details you give to a story, it's better. It was at a Wawa. They begin to pray. As she prays for the gentleman, the man begins to cry. This is a grown man. He begins to cry God's presence. God just showed up at the gas station. Begins to cry, cry, oh my gosh. And then she says, well, you, if you want, you can come to our church. There's people who can help you. The next week, I'm preaching. And I was the youth pastor. I don't normally preach on Sundays. I had the opportunity to preach on Sunday. John and Rita come in. I preach the gospel. They give their lives to Jesus. They get connected with someone at our church for job interviews. I come down to the front row where I was sitting with my wife. I look at her and she looks at me and she's crying now. And she looks at me and she says these words. She said, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be awesome? She's crying. If there was a place where Jesus could be accessible to anyone. And in that moment, not only was the mission statement of our church born, but our church was born right there and then. Because she made the most of a God moment. And here's the crazy part. Our lives at that moment were very lost. We didn't know where to go. We were in between jobs. We didn't know what to do. We felt the shift, but we didn't know. And because of her obedience, God made the next step of our life so clear. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. We were asking God for direction, asking God for direction, but he wasn't answering. And then all of a sudden, he answered when she stepped out in obedience. Why? Write this down. This is going to help somebody. Because sometimes God answers prayers when we ask. But other times, God answers prayers when we respond. Did you receive that? Church, do you receive that? You've been praying for it, praying for it, praying for it, asking God for it, asking God for it. Why won't you give it? Why won't you give it? And God is looking at you because I've been asking you. I've been asking you. I've been asking you. Why won't you give it? I've been asking you to get connected. I've been asking you to get in the group. I've been asking you to get on a team. I've been asking you to go on a mission trip. I've been asking you to minister to your coworkers. I've been asking you to be a witness in your school. I've been asking you to lift up the name of Jesus. I've been asking you to post more about what God's doing in your life. I've been asking you to, to start tithing. I've been asking you to, and when you respond, many times the answer comes in our response when we say yes Lord he goes good now that you said yes then walk through that door now let me take you to my perfect will that's how it works we got to respond I'm gonna give you the last one real quick even though if I would just take my time with it I just we got time and we don't have time and so this was easy listen it's time to eat at night this is a legit steak we, we couldn't find an inflatable steak like the turkey so, so Martin, who puts together our props, he was like, do I bring a raw steak? Probably not. That's weird. I don't know what they might think I'm trying to symbolize with bloody steak on the plate. But uh, it's just actually, he cooked this steak this morning. Nighttime. I believe in bedtime prayers, but I'm not preaching about bedtime prayers. I'm not talking about nighttime in relation to our son. I'm asking about nighttime in relation to our soul. Our soul. Has your soul ever been... Has your soul ever experienced nighttime? You know nighttime is like when depression is heavy, worry is heavy, anxiety is heavy. You got attacks coming from all different directions, work, home, family, church. And the worst thing that happens is in the middle of all that, God feels a million miles away. That's night. Raise your hand if you've ever been in night. Your soul has ever been in nighttime. Yeah. Here's what we do. Psalms 23.5. Here's dinner. 
Ready? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my what? Yeah. When things are dark, when things are lonely, when things are scary, when I don't know where I'm going, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love it that in the middle of the battlefield, God has dinner. Huh? It's crazy because when we get stressed out, the first thing we want to do is fight. When there's a battle in our life, first thing we want to do is run. We want to grab something. And while we're running all around, God is like, seated. When, when, when the enemy comes, we grab a sword and shield. God says, put down that sword and shield. Son, daughter, when the enemy comes, grab a fork and a knife. Because I want to fellowship with you in a special way that I can't fellowship with you when everything's going well. See, at nighttime, cut myself with that knife. Okay, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's crazy to me how fire can be so dangerous in one context. Burn down your house, second degree burn. And it can also be so romantic and beautiful in another context. I got this theory that is actually more like biblical truth that the most intimate seasons of your life are the hottest, the darkest, the loneliest, the scariest. Because when you lose everything, you're forced to sit down with the one person at the table who is like, I'm still good. I'm still here. I still love you. I'm still seated. You might be running, but I'm seated. My angels will take care of them demons. My angels will take care of them issues. Just sit at the table. Come and know me more. Let's have dinner. Let's relate. Let's commune. I got every resource here. I got all deliverance here. I got all breakthrough here. But sometimes it takes a fire to display that. Sometimes your life has to shatter into a million pieces so that you can discover that God is your restoration. Sometimes you got to lose that marriage. You got to lose that husband. You got to lose that boyfriend. You got to lose that girlfriend to realize that God is the lover of your soul. And you only find that in the fire. Sometimes you got to lose the job, lose the income, get on unemployment to realize that God is your provider and he always will be. Sometimes you got to be lost and you got to be confused to realize that God is your counselor. Sometimes you got to feel a thousand miles away from Jesus so that God can be your shepherd who leaves the 99 to go get the one to chase you and find you and hunt you down. Sometimes you got to experience darkness so that God can be the light in the darkness. Sometimes you got to experience depression so that God can be the joy. You are the joy of my life. You are the joy of my salvation. Sometimes you got to experience sickness so that God can be your healer. When it gets scary, he shows you who he is. It's not dark. It's a date. It's not dark. It's a date. It's not dark. It's a date. He's showing you who he is. He's loving on you. It's your chance to know him like you've never known him before. Like you've never known him before. Stay standing, stay standing. And if you want to know him like ever before, Journey Church, I'm going to invite you right now in this moment to grab a fork and a knife, metaphorically, spiritually. But would you just pull up in the middle of a battlefield of your life right now? And here's how you do it. You lift your hands. If you feel comfortable, you lift your hands. And while the bombs are going off and the arrows are flying past your head, you are beginning to tell the Lord, oh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. He leads me to still waters. He makes me lie down. He sets 
sets up a table in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I'm not afraid anymore, God, because you're with me. The enemy can't touch me because you're with me. I'm going to stop running and I'm going to start worshiping. I'm going to stop worrying and I'm going to start praising. I'm going to stop being careful and depressed and I'm going to start lifting my hands because I know you're with me. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, right there in that moment, I want to make another prayer for all those who've got the forks and knives in the middle of the battlefield. There are still so many people here in Fern Park, over at East, even online, who haven't even yet made it to the table. Jesus is the table. Come to the table today. Come make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. There's resource here. There's relationship here. That's you when you're in this room or you're at Easton University High School or watching in all the countries across the world. When I say three, if you want to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, would you raise your right hand as a signal and a sign all over this building? If that's you on three, raise your right hand. One, raise your right hand. If that's you, two, forget about what people are thinking. One, two, three, shoot your right hand high up to the sky if that's you and you need Jesus in your life. I see it all the way in the front. I see it in the back and the sides. I know that there's hands at East. I know it. I know it. Hands online. Put it in the chat. Let me pray for you. If you raise your hand and even if you didn't say this out loud, Father God, I'm coming to the table. You are my resource. You are the relationship I need. Forgive me for my past. Provide for me in my future. Be with me in the present. Jesus, today I decide to follow you. In your name I pray, amen. Would you give it up at all of our locations for everyone who made a decision? We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.